Liberty lockdown, piss down your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Man, did I have an eventful week, huh? Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Very special episode starring exclusively me. Because you haven't heard enough from me already. That's for damn sure. Um, so, this week I debated a neocon named Kevin Castley. And you guys really enjoyed it, it seems like. So I'm glad to hear that. It was exhausting. It took an emotional toll on me, to say the least. That dude is a monster. So, I uh, I, I did my best uh, to keep my cool, and I know a lot of you had a lot of critiques as to different points I could have brought up, just so you know, many of them I thought of. Um, I just, you have to prioritize in a situation like that when you're talking to someone that you disagree with 95% of everything they have to say. You really can't get down in the weeds on details of you know how certain engagements began, and it's just, there's just too much if you want to get to the good stuff. And for me, the good stuff, when you're dealing with someone who is so callous when it comes to the loss of life and simultaneously so certain of their moral goodness, I felt like the best line of attack and, and the most fruitful one when it comes to hopefully getting some of his listeners to reflect on their worldview was to have them really hear the emotion and the spirit of the anti-interventionist position. And I wanted them to really reconsider whether or not all of the death and destruction that they root for is ultimately worth it. And I hope I did that. I, I think I did. I think I've, you know, I've actually received a few DMs from people that said that they, you know, they used to be neocons or or they were and and they really thought that I made compelling arguments that made them kind of reflect on on the cost of war. And that's really all I was trying to do. So mission accomplished in that regard. Uh, on top of that, shout out tower gang. Uh, we had one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Ace Arcist. It wasn't actually him, but secret safe with me, Ace, uh, even though he was on my show two weeks ago and you'd have to be out of your mind to think that it was the same person. But nonetheless, uh, somehow uh, he had, I forget who, who it was, but he had them replace Ace in the debate, and he went in with the explicit intention of trolling and making the guy look like a clown, and mission accomplished again. So I think that we have now done the three-peat, and uh, we, we hit them with you know, facts about the war. That was with Keith in the first debate, and then you hit them with the emotional arguments and the, the moral counter-arguments to their interventionist stance, and then you just made fun of them, which is kind of what they've always deserved. So... I'd say, you know, we're like the Lakers, 01, or, you know, 2002. Back to back to back, baby. World champs. Since it's been so long since I've done a solo episode, I found some articles that kind of were beneath the fray that I felt that you guys would probably like to hear about, and I think that they're very important to us because of the labeling that's going on right now. So I found this article from the Washington, Washington Examiner that says, How to Fix Our Domestic Terrorist Problem. And they said, uh, we saw five dead in the January 6th attempted coup d'etat. <laughs> First off, not a coup. 
Uh, we saw possible assassination plots against both former Vice President Mike Pence and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We saw coercion designed to prevent certification of President Biden's Electoral College victory. We now see the Capitol necessarily secured behind razor wire. Is it necessary? Really? But we also see some Republican members of Congress trying to sneak guns onto the House floor. Uh, she's not trying to sneak it. Bobert was very overt about it. And one has even called for violence. It's time to confront these pushists, which is reference to Germany with the putsch. Uh, they have five steps as to how to curb <laughs> extremism or domestic terrorism in America. And they are all atrocious ideas. So I thought I'd go through them. And it's a very short article. First, bring the heaviest felony charges possible on as many participants in the insurrection as the Justice Department can identify and believes it can confidently convict. We ruthlessly hunted down foreign terrorists after September 11th and must do the same to their domestic equivalents. <laughs> I'm sorry. How could you possibly say equivalents? How could you even analogize or compare September 11th to January 5th? Or six, excuse me. It's just, it's so psychotic. They say further prosecution is possible under the federal felon in possession of a firearm statute. Well, most of the protesters weren't armed, so I still don't understand that one. Then he goes into number two. Make fire and police departments that receive federal grants have their members sign commitments not to engage in acts to overthrow the government. So we're now having uh, oaths <laughs> that must be signed. I, I'm sorry, this is too funny. Uh, prosecute any who su subsequently violate their oaths. Wouldn't it be prosecutable if you tried to overthrow the government regardless of some random oath that they signed? Anyways, uh, we could also cut or suspend federal funding to departments that fail to introduce these measures. Great, so you're just going <laughs> to cut funding to any state or police department or fire department. God knows why the fire department's included in this that refuses to play your sick, psychotic game. It's what we're doing to universities that receive federal grant money and then promises to the contrary, allow communist Chinese to walk off with export-controlled IP paid for by American taxpayers. That's a random pivot I didn't expect, but anyways. Uh, third, do not worry about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Rather than ban extremist chatter through government censorship or private deplatforming, use radical chat rooms as honeypots. As FBI led Joint Terrorism Task Force have done with violent radicalized Islamists since 2001. Again, analogizing us to a one. Great. We needed to draw out those of our fellow citizens who are willing to attack our nation. I'm sorry. That simply wasn't an attack, folks. It just wasn't an attack. We have seen just dozens of increasingly more violent protests over the past year. But because it happened to the Capitol building, oh, now it's an attack on the nation. Good God. Fourth, use the supremacy of federal law to ban militias beyond the National Guard. Oh, well, that whole Second Amendment thing is really gone now. No militias. Wow. And it says there is simply no longer any room for armed forces not answerable to the law. Well, for the record, I think we're still answerable to the law. Even as a militia, you still can be arrested, no? Oh, this makes me furious. Fifth and final, thank God. 
add domestic terrorism as a predicate to the material support for terrorism statute, including its civil liability provisions. This will provide new means of successful prosecutions and gradually increase deterrence against domestic terrorists. So I guess they're going after the money source for the people that, as far as I can tell, were not paid to be doing what they were doing on January 6th. So final outro. I woke up at my Manhattan apartment as a Wall Street law firm associate on September 12th, 2001, worrying how America could stop the next attack. I woke up as a combat veteran in my suburban Washington, D.C. house on January 7th, 2021, equally worried. But I also remember what helped America last time. We defeated Al-Qaeda, and we can do the same to the fascist thugs who attacked our democracy last month, but only if we take similar hard measures against the enemy within. Man, I can't even tell you how dangerous all of this is as a precedent. If they're able to label these people as terrorists and prosecute them accordingly, First Amendment right to peacefully protest is essentially gone. And I mean, sure, there was some violence. I'm not going to dispute that. There was also some property damage. They also did go into a building. I'm not even going to give it the honor of calling it a federal property building or something like that, as if that makes a fucking difference to me. But we saw other protests that were way more violent. So I just... You have to apply this stuff evenly. And if you're not going to, maybe dismiss this entire concept of labeling these people terrorists and just prosecute them for breaking the law. Certainly in America, we have plenty of laws to prosecute these people. The only reason they want to add all these new layers of laws is because they want to show their dominance. I mean, that's really the game here. They want to show how unbelievably in control they are, and they aren't. That's the secret. They simply aren't. But according to woke, bougie, prog Kevin Carroll, who served as the senior counselor to the Secretary of Homeland Security and chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee and as a CIA and Army officer in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Yemen, were domestic terrorists. Cool. Well, Kevin, back to your loft, you douche. God willing, none of your ideas will be put into law. But I think it's important for the audience to stay on guard because, I mean, this guy had real credentials. He really worked in DHS and the CIA, and he's floating ideas like this on you know major publications. This is not a joke. As much as I laugh throughout it all, it's still not a joke. I mean, if they actually do any of this stuff, it's not good for the future of freedom in America. There was another article by FEE that... I was going to read to you, or at least take some snippets from, but honestly, it's so obvious, I don't even need to. It's basically laying out the case for why the the lockdowns caused greater economic damage than had to have occurred. And it goes back and forth with, you know, other articles from Forbes and whatnot that state that the lockdowns were beneficial and that the economic damage would have occurred either way because people were social distancing, which instantly disproves, disproves the notion that you even needed to mandate a lockdown given that people were already taking the natural steps. But then it also goes on to lay out evidence that the states that did not have mandated lockdowns for nearly as long had about half the unemployment rate of those that did. And ultimately, the you know outcome in terms of death rates was oftentimes no worse and sometimes far better. So on all fronts, I'm not going to read it to you simply because it's so obvious. And if you've been listening to my show since the beginning, it's everything that I said. So told you so. 
If you're listening to me, you probably knew it too already. And that's why you found my show, because I was the one sane person screaming in the wilderness that locking down the economy would bankrupt us, which it did. Wow. Stunning. In tech news, we have two fun updates. For Facebook in Australia, due to a bill that they were trying to pass that would make it so that they had to pay fees to allow any sharing of news articles on Facebook, Facebook decided instead to tell them to shove it and ban all news articles from being posted during a pandemic in an entire country. So, bummer for Australians, but y'all didn't fight back and you're a fucking penal colony and you're disarmed and you're a bunch of pussies and maybe you should stand up. Apologies to my Australian listeners, I do have a few and I love you guys. I really hope that you find a way to fight through this. It's absurd, it's ridiculous, and you guys are ruled by utter tyrants. Uh, Throw off the shackles of your lineage and decide that you're free people, please. For the sake of freedom on this planet, we need you in this fight. And I know you Aussies like to fight because you drink like savages and you're freaking beasts. So fight back, yo. Uh, Also, Amazon has decided that they are now in the book-burning business. They are banning certain titles, including recent pieces from black authors, mind you, that question the mainstream narrative on you know gender dysmorphia. And I, for one, don't care if the idea is bad. I should have the option to buy it. And certainly you could say, oh, it's a private business. They don't have to have, you know, they don't have to sell any book that they don't want to. Well, Amazon is in the business of selling everything. So, that, or, that argument is kind of garbage, uh, but on top of that, I'm not ever going to support any sort of banning of a book when they don't even hold most of the stuff in inventory. They could at least allow it to be sold, but they're not. They're taking it one step further, and they're saying, no, flat out no. This book, this author, these handful of you know mental dis- dissidents are no longer allowed to be sold on our website. You can sit on the sideline and do the whole, uh, it's a free, it's a, you know, it's a business. It's a private business. You libertarians out there that love to say that. Well, you could keep saying that right up until the point that 1984 is 2021, if you want to, or you can fight back. And for the record, you are allowed to say that you don't agree with these decisions, whether you like the author or not. I mean, Douglas Murray has been banned in certain bookstores for years He's been basically a social pariah simply because he wrote a very scholarly book on IQ differences across races. And while I personally don't have a strong opinion, I, again, don't care because I am a critical thinking adult that doesn't need to be protected by Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg. This is not a hard debate. You should be fighting against censorship even if it's from a private business, especially when it's one that is basically a government monopoly. This is not a a joke anymore. This is not a game. You really need to stand up and fight against this stuff because it's only going to get worse. And granted, fortunately, there are some entrepreneurs out there that are going to fill these gaps. And I hope that some of you listening become those entrepreneurs that get filthy rich by creating truly free speech options and alternatives to these sick tyrannical businesses that are out there. But in the meantime, it's going to get really, really dark. So make your voices heard on these on these issues because if you don't, no one will. That's for damn sure. Lastly, we have some 
con- confirming evidence as to my thesis on the impending uh, mortgage crisis or real estate crisis and likely collapse that I warned of both on my show as well as Freeman Beyond the Wall with Pete Quinones. And uh, you probably heard me talking to Robbie the Fire about it. Anyways, so we got some more supporting evidence, and this is written by, uh, I'm in the mortgage industry, so I don't know if this is available to everybody, but it's uh, on Fairview Commercial Lending's website. And they said that uh, over 10 million Americans are behind on their mortgage payments, with the majority of these late payments occurring in FHA loans. At the same time, millions are out of work, yet house prices are increasing in most markets. Then it goes on to describe what these forbearance include. The important part, it says, what was in the new order signed by President Biden? The White House said Tuesday that it would extend a ban on home foreclosures for federally backed mortgages through June 30th. Keep in mind that essentially all mortgages are federally backed in this market because the government has been in the lending game for decades now, and it's a disaster. President Biden had earlier extended the moratorium, which had been set to expire at the end of January, that was under Trump's plan, until the end of March in a series of executive actions on his first day in office. The Biden administration also said it would give homeowners more time through June 30th to enroll in a program to request a pause or reduction in mortgage payments. The Federal CARES Act signed into law, if they cared about anyone, they wouldn't do this shit, but anyways, uh, into law last March by former President Donald Trump let borrowers postpone payments on federally backed mortgages for as long as 12 months. Homeowners will now be able to receive up to six months of additional mortgage payment forbearance and increments of three months for those borrowers who entered forbearance before June 30th. So essentially, if you enter this plan before June 30th, you can get another six months. So that's going to mean that people will have not made a mortgage payment in a full two years in some cases. If you enter into this plan, there will be no additional fees, penalties, or additional interest beyond scheduled amounts. So finally, they're not just foregoing these payments. They're just tacking them onto the loan. Uh, But that means that you still can go two years without paying. And if you're out of a job you may not be able to catch up those payments. So you have a a huge glut of potential foreclosure inventory that's sitting out there. They also said that credit card companies, auto lenders, and other lenders are providing similar relief to their clients via forbearance or modification plans. Over 100 million borrowers are in some type of forbearance on an account. Over 10 million have missed mortgage payments. Folks, this is what I'm talking about. This is real crisis shit. I don't know if the 100 million borrowers include non-Americans. If that statistic is for America, good God, look out. Under these forbearance plans, your credit score doesn't get impacted, but you can't get credit, which is interesting. Essentially, what's happening is that these banks, if they see that you're in a forbearance, you're not going to be able to borrow more money, which makes sense because the lender can't know if you're actually a deadbeat or if you actually needed this financial assistance and your job's coming back. Most jobs probably aren't coming back if we're being honest. So I I can't blame the lender as an underwriter myself. I would make the same decision. So the banks are going around and they're tightening their lending standards. So you're going to have a dearth of lending opportunities, even if you are one of the people that gets their job back, because they're going to look at your payment history and say, I don't know. So part of what this is doing is that because people won't be able to borrow more money, even if they get their jobs back, they're going to be stuck in those homes. So if they wanted to move up or move down in terms of the home that they owned, they won't be able to. So that's going to create increasingly small amounts of inventory that are available for sale, which drives up prices. On top of that, you have over 10 million houses. I think it's 12 million, but they say 10 here or 10 plus 
um, that have essentially been taken off the market because the the borrower is financially stuck. They can't get new credit and they also can't make their payments. So they're just sitting there having these payments accrue that'll be slapped onto the back of the loan. And when, if, when, I don't know, uh, this stuff actually gets turned back on, you're going to have essentially you know water trying to come out of a, a straw that should be coming out of a fire hose. And I don't know how the system doesn't break in that situation. And then you have the people that haven't deferred their mortgage payment, but they have taken deferrals on credit cards because they're flat broke because they lost their job or whatever. And that would mean that there's a, another layer of shadow inventory where people are in fact broke, but they aren't showing up in these statistics of the 10 to 12 million defaulted mortgages. All of this amounts up to drastically reduced inventory. And when you have very small inventory and you have a few people that are very desperate to buy homes because they see inflation coming down the pike. You know, we have the entire uh, millennial generation that has lived with their parents this whole time. You also have all of these people that have been stuck in small uh, apartments and they've been working from home and they're losing their minds for those that are lucky enough to have kept their jobs that are deciding, okay, now I need to have a real house. I'm an adult. I need to get out of my parents' house or whatever. And I'm going to go out and buy something no matter what the prices are, because I maintain my job and interest rates are at record lows. What do you get with all this? A complete perfect storm for rising prices, skyrocketing prices. And I don't know about where you're at, but I'm in San Diego. And let me tell you, Prices are outrageous, and this is why. All of this adds up to very, very small inventory and a decent amount of buying capacity because you can borrow at record low interest rates and you can borrow you know, more money than you've ever been able to in your entire life, even, even though we're in the middle of a depression and you're going out and you're buying these houses that have you know five, six, seven bidders and you're bidding against other people and boom, prices increase and the inventory is very, very low. So if you take the average statistics and you just assume that 40% of these people that are in forbearance end up actually defaulting, you would end up with roughly four to five million houses in foreclosure. To put it in perspective, in 2008, there was 3.1 million foreclosure filings made. So this is exactly what I'm talking about. You will see a repeat of 0809 if I'm right. If this ever gets turned on, if they don't completely nationalize the mortgage market or make good on these payments with just printed money, what else What else can happen? I don't see any other option, really. It's like we're going to either get rid of private property rights in this country or we're going to have to nationalize the mortgage market or we're going to foreclose and just crush, crush the housing market. So A, B, or C, folks. Uh, None of them are good, and this is exactly why I've been warning about it and sounding the alarm as loud as possible is because I want those that are out there that have the opportunity to dodge this train to do so. And I know a lot of you out there are the millennials that are desperately wanting to buy your first home, and I've been advising I don't think it's a good idea, and this is why. If you end up buying and we end up going into a straight hyperinflation, you might be okay. You might be better than okay. I think that's the least likely outcome, even though I know many Austrians out there will think that I'm crazy. Uh, a lot of people thought that we would have had hyperinflation after the massive bailouts in 0809. Didn't see it. Massive deflationary market. That's what happened. All assets crumbled. And I think that we are laying the groundwork for a repeat of 0809, which Ron Paul warned about in 03. 
He really warned about no five and no one listened. And I am now carrying on his torch and trying to help a few of you get out of the way. And I think that if I'm right and this market absolutely tanks in the next, say, 18 months, because it looks like we're going to have forbearances for the rest of the year. So you probably won't see this, this correction until 2022. But if I'm right, 2022 and the next maybe two to three years after that should be the buying opportunity of a lifetime. And that's what I'm banking on. That's why I'm selling all my properties because I'm seeing a market that has no inventory. I can sell it for prices I never thought I'd be able to get. And I'm going to sit in cash like a psychopath as the government prints money. I'm going to sit in cash. Think about how crazy this is. I'm going to sit in cash fiat, which I don't like at all because I see depreciated assets coming down the pike. And that is, is the opportunity to buy, and then the government will print its way to oblivion, the dollar will collapse, and then you will be stupid rich. So that's my plan. Do with that information what you will. This is not financial advice. You make your own decisions. I am talking about my own perspective, not yours. You get to make your own decision. One more point to make about this. Anytime you see a collapsing real estate or stock market, who benefits? Just think about that for a second. Who normally benefits? It's not the little guy. It's not the first-time home buyer. It's the wealthy guy that sells during a bull market that comes out like a bandit. That's the guy who benefits. Try and be that guy. If you're not in the position to be that guy, at least don't be the guy that makes him rich. Don't be the guy that's out there buying his inventory because he sees what I see. A guy who's been in real estate lending for a long time, who's been a real estate investor for a long time. I mean, I'm pushing 15 years now in this. I've seen a real collapse. I've seen a real boom cycle. And I am predicting another collapse. So if you want to risk it, if you think that we're going straight hyperinflation, I personally would hedge in Bitcoin before I hedged in real estate. But if you think it's coming and you want a house and you can borrow super cheap, I understand the logic because it's about as as expensive as renting. But... Ultimately, the underlying asset value is what matters. It's not what your monthly payment is. Don't buy that shit. Don't buy the fucking, oh, I can afford it, so I'm going to buy it. That's not how you get rich, period. Do not think like that. If you can afford it, doesn't mean you should buy it. If the house is 750 grand and you can you know, have a monthly payment of 3,000 bucks and rent is 3,000 bucks, that's not a good investment. I'm sorry. It simply isn't, unless you believe that there's going to be a greater fool coming down uh, you know, the road that will buy from you at even greater stupid prices, which could happen, for sure it could, I wouldn't bet on that. That's not how you get rich. You don't get rich betting on the greater fool. You get rich by betting against the fools. Well, I dumped a lot on you. I hope it makes a difference. I hope that you take this information in, you internalize it, you think about it on your own terms, you make your own decisions, and you come out a better, smarter person on the other side. Because I don't know everything, but I know a lot about this particular field, and I think that this information can be valuable to you. So I hope that, uh, I hope that it is. I really do. Because I really want to see libertarians in particular succeed and thrive in, in spite of the overbearing government which is trying to ruin us all. I want to see you guys come out on the other side of this thing better than anybody because I need you guys in this fight and I need you equipped with assets to fight with me. And uh, metaphorically, of course, not, not Fed posting. Anyways, 
I was on Free Man Beyond the Wall. If you didn't check that out, please do. It's already got a crazy amount of views on his YouTube channel, which you can check out. And it's also, I'm sure, doing well in downloads. Thank you guys so much for supporting me. It really means a lot. I'm pushing 99 reviews on iTunes. So if you guys can put me over that triple digit mark, that would be amazing. I haven't even had the show for a year yet. It's only been like nine or 10 months and I already have 99 five-star reviews. You guys are just absolutely killing it. Um, always, you know, share the show. It really does help. And I really appreciate all the support that I've been getting. I had some, uh, who was it? Top Lobster uh, tagged Dave Smith. Uh, Dave recently followed me and he saw that I was conversing with one of my followers about the debate that I had with the Neocon and Dave out of nowhere chimed in saying, Hey man, I'd like to check it out. Uh, can you send me a link? Unfortunately, one of you assholes sent the link to Ace's debate instead of mine. So hopefully Dave doesn't think that I'm a clown who just trolls. Uh, but regardless, it was funny. So hopefully Dave will check out my debate. Then Top Lobster said, hey, man, you should uh, you should go on Liberty Lockdown. It's a great show, which I really appreciated him saying that. And Dave said, I'd love to. So looks like we're going to have Dave Smith. Uh, I DM'd him waiting for him to get back to me so we can schedule. I also have Vin Armani scheduled for the end of this month. So this show is absolutely going gangbusters, and I couldn't have done any of this without you, and I will never forget it. Truly, never forget it, because it it's my dream, man. You guys are letting me live my dream, and I can't tell you how important it is to me. So really appreciate you guys. I will check you soon. Big shout-out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. World premiere. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical fappening. A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm a shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copter the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot must be Air July Screaming in the mic to rip a 59 Miles Jure showed that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show.